Good morning, everybody. Our scripture reading for today will be from James 1, and our reader will be Holly. Hearing and doing the word. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Thank you. Praise be to God. Let's pray, everybody. Father, we thank you. You are the one who is building us up. You are shaping us, forging us, grinding us into people who are very different, who are uh, shaped differently and who think differently and who feel differently than who we could be coming apart from you. We ask, Lord, that you would continue to guide us today, that we would see, Lord, your, uh, your work in our lives, bringing us into the direction which is facing you. We ask, Lord, that you would continue to transform us and that as we hear your word today, we would receive it meekly and then we would do it rather than just hearing it. We ask, Lord, that your uh, word would uh, go deep into our hearts, that we would simmer in it, and that our whole lives would be uh, shaped by that word that you have planted. We thank you, Father, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As you might have heard, this, uh, this passage today starts with, uh, listen, brothers, be slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to become angry. And let me tell you, for decades of my life, between, let's say, my senior year of college and till, let's say, about the time that my oldest daughter was maybe a year and a half, I thought I was doing pretty well on this one. Uh, anger was always kind of a big part of my experience, especially the kind of, uh, like most anger is a, um, it's a symptom emotion. It's not, anger is not one of those feelings that's like, ooh, this is a dark, hidden part of me. Like it's, but it's never the bottom of the well. There's always something lower down than anger. Anger is like fire. It needs fuel to burn. And that fuel in me came from this deep place of like hurt and loneliness. And if you know much about the story of my life, you know, you could be like, oh, this is because David was bullied when he was in elementary school and all this stuff. And as the Lord began to deal with all of this stuff in me, I was like, oh, hey, I'm doing great in terms of anger. Look at how much better I am in terms of anger, guys. Wouldn't you know it? Children bring this uh, back up. If you didn't think you, if you thought, said, oh, hey, anger is a problem, that's behind me. Woo, will you learn it? 
differently once you start, uh, once you start having other people you really care about and how, what they do and how they do it matters to you and they will keep doing whatever they're doing under uh, no matter what circumstance you're in. So this past week, we went on a trip and we were in a high-pressure situation. And we were in the specific kind of high-pressure situation that was my fault, okay? I had, I had messed up some of my, my plans and we didn't get into a museum we had really hoped to get into. We, had, we, we visited Washington, D.C. this past week. And in the midst of all of that, like, oh man, I messed up. Dark feelings. Uh, Ali, I was trying to catch my attention and she kept talking and I was just like, you know, because I was in full like, I don't know if sulking mode is the right word, but like, I was like, what do we do next mode? And she got so upset that I wasn't paying attention to what she was saying that she bit my leg. And of course, as any parent knows, you can't let your kids just go around biting people, least of all biting, biting daddy. But I just like, all of this uh, like methane of my soul was bubbling up. Where, where it was just like all of the dark feelings of like, oh man, I blew it, what do we do next? How do I you know, solve this day? And then all of a sudden, little spark, and boom, big fireball of anger pops out of me. And I just start screaming. Now, there are dozens, perhaps literally hundreds of people all around us here on this line, like near the front of the museum. And I just start, I don't know if you guys have ever heard me lift my voice, like really lift my voice. But let's just say that Aliyah inherited it from me, okay? And I'm just going off on her. And like, my wife is horrified, and Aliyah is just ah, bawling now. And it just, it all shows up. There are going to be times where we will see what is happening inside of us. It will all come out. It will just spill out for everyone to see. And when those times come, and we are confronted by who we are and who we are becoming, we will have choices to make. One of the things I like about this book that we're reading through now, the book of James, or Jacob, if you want to get back more to like what it actually says, if you want to get back, this part of what makes this book so exciting is that it's a book that constantly is calling us out to change, to be different. Uh, this is, uh, the book of James is notorious as being in some ways a very like hardcore, very like metal Christianity kind of a book where it's like, uh, you know, if you don't do what the Bible says, your religion is worthless. Like James says a lot of things like that and it means what it says. But ultimately the goal of it is not to force us into a religion of fear and compliance and you must do this but it's to, it's to cause us to look at what's deep down here, to dredge it up, and then to say, how do I change? And the book of James has a lot to tell us about how do I change. So this, this, chat, this uh, passage we have today, a few verses, uh, much shorter than last week, has just, like, everything in it is tweetable. Okay, one of the strengths of James. You have a lot of content in a short space, but it starts with one of my favorite 
little passages. One of the ones that I, I personally quote the most, you know this if you talk to me, I quote this all the time. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger, or if you uh, get a little more into it, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. So, in other words, he's saying, if you say, let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, that's, that's talking about the result, right? This is what we want to become. This is what it looks like to be Christ-like. We want to go, hmm, and listen a lot. We want to be slow to speak so that we don't start talking without knowing what we're talking about, right? That's, a, that's the mark of foolishness, that we have to talk even because we have to have an opinion, even if we don't have an informed opinion. I wish this uh, kind of could become the motto of the internet, but let it start with us. And slow to become angry because the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So let's start with this point. Part of what makes anger such a good metric of what's going on in our hearts is because anger is so natural. Anger is one of these things that just um, bubbles up in us. It, it, nobody thinks about it and says, hmm, come to think of it, I should really be angry right now. Yar, and then you start you know, reacting. Instead, anger is one of those things where, it, where when it comes up, you're always confronted by it. And you say, ooh, I am angry. And when that happens and you realize I am angry, you have decisions to make. Okay? You're going to say, now what am I going to do with this? How am I going to handle this? What comes next? It's one of these things that makes a great uh, metric for our souls. Because the fact that it's not planned means that if you feel, find it bubbling up a lot, you know that you have a lot of this pain and hurt and all of this uh, other stuff there. So then you might say, well, how do I deal with it? If I know that, I am, if I know that I'm being, uh, let's say, uh, quick to speak and slow to listen, then I have a pretty reasonable idea of how to deal with that, right? I just talk less and listen more. But how can I become slow to become angry? How is it that I can avoid this wrath of man, which does not produce the righteousness of God? If I was preaching this sermon a slightly different way, by the way, which I feel like I already did in the last in two series ago with the Absalom sermon, but um, by the way, anger, the wrath of man never produces the righteousness of God. So if you see all of the sources around you working really hard to make you angry, I can promise you where it will never lead you is the righteousness of God, okay? So let's always be wary of people who are trying to feed that anger instead of helping us to manage it and deal with it and dig up what's below it, all of the hurt and all of the trauma, et cetera, et cetera, because that, that, that uh, wrath does not, produce good, does not produce good fruit the way that love and forgiveness will. But let's say that we, we've gotten there and we say, man, how do I deal with this now? 
I've come to recognize that there is all of this stuff in me. Now what do I do with it? And this is a really important point, okay, guys? Because uh, deep down in our hearts, there is a story that we tell ourselves about ourselves, okay? And you may not, you may not realize what we're talking about, so I'm going to try to, to get into this a little bit. We, each of us has this set idea of wh who we were, who we are, and where we are becoming. It includes all sorts of things like, what is my background like? How do I measure myself against other people? Do I like myself or not like myself? Um, how do, who are the fi fictional characters that I relate to, and why do I relate to them the most? Why do I care about these, these folks? And these are the questions that start to drive who we are and who we want to become. That there's this inner narrative we tell about ourselves. And often, in this inner narrative that we tell about ourselves, we're talking about ourselves to ourselves, uh, this is where the devil really hits us the most powerfully. This is where we will face the voice of the evil one in ways that will blow us up. Because we'll think about uh, the story of our own lives, and we'll say things like, I'll never recover from the damage my parents did to me. And it's such a simple sentence, but when it makes its way into the story of our lives, it can begin to affect all of our relationships. I'll never recover from the damage my parents did to me. Or you'll say, uh, I can't trust people because people will just hurt me again. We, we've all experienced lies like this, where the devil will just, even if he just pokes in that one sentence into our story, it can just transform the way we do all of our relationships. Any of you experience this? I for sure have experienced this. Or things like, why do I think thoughts like this? I must be such a horrible person. Anyone got that one? Okay. And in the midst of... And, and in the midst of all of this inner storytelling, the Lord has said, what I want you to be is I want you to be wise and I want you to be peaceful. I want you to be slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to become angry. And when that we hear that, our inner story starts to quiver. If you are a very bold and confident person, you go, I got this. I am going to be slow to listen. Uh, slow to quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, and uh, you better watch out. You know, and we hold our heads high, and we're like, I got this. Uh, if so, you are probably in for a really nasty trial and a really terrible shaking, because this one is not as easy as it looks. On the other hand, if you have a very broken inner story, you're like, oh man, like I will never live up to this. That is an impossible command. This is like one of those things like Mount Sinai where people said, let me not go up to see the Lord lest I die. I don't think I can ever become slow to become angry or slow to speak. What do I do now? And where I'm really thankful for James, I'm sure that James is a lot more compassionate that we give him credit for because he shows us the way through. He says, here's how we do it. He says what we do is we put off, we put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and we receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. There's something we put away 
And there's something we receive. There's something we put away, and there's something we receive. What is it that we put away? The rampant, uh, the rampant wickedness, which is, and honestly, this is a source that is pouring into our inner story. This is a, this is a matter of what we are receiving, what we are taking in, and what we are allowing of all of the things that we perceive to enter into us. Here's what I'm talking about. This isn't even just about what we see. It's also about how we see it. Um, many of you are familiar with my burning hatred of the notebook, a.k.a. the most deadly and deceptive love story of all time, right? But it's also a great example of how there are two ways you can watch a movie, all right? One of them is the way that we can, we can, st we can call uh, willful suspension of disbelief. There is one way you can watch a movie, and you're watching it the way the director intends for you to watch it. You immediately believe all of the lines they are telling you. You say, oh, this person says he loves her, so really, he must really love her. You are saying, oh, of course, you know, the prince loves Sleeping Beauty. If he didn't, how else would she wake up? But, and if there's a rational part of your brain saying, wait a second, he just like sashayed up and met this girl, he found her sleeping, like, this is kind of not cool. And if this happened in real life, I would be really not cool with this, right? But part of our brain just says, I want to be carried away with the story. I want to be swept up by this. And if we allow ourselves to be swept up in it, it will start to become part of our inner story. It's like there are, there are eyes of our heart that are looking around with, with big, um, part of having a four-month-old is you see those big eyes taking in everything, right? And, and they're building the foundation for your whole life. But what we often don't realize is that the eyes of our spirit are like four-month-old eyes. There's these big eyes looking around, taking in all this stuff. And what we choose to let in, what we choose to receive as part of our inner story, will then shape us and become part of how we think and perceive things and make decisions. What we see becomes a part of us. And I don't just mean like what we see, but I mean what we choose to see, what we allow in. Um, we, we sang a song saying, you know, my heart is open, my heart is open. That's great if you're singing to God and you're listening to what he has to say. But what if you're singing that same song at a, a Taylor Swift, well, I shouldn't mess with Taylor Swift again, right? I do that, I do that too often. But what happens if we, or... Um, you know, or a uh, uh, music which is like um, meet women, get money. How are you going to... No, seriously. And there are people who are like, you're like, how do you justify listening to this? How do you justify like... Or you go, oh, you know what I really love? I love Game of Thrones. And I'm like, how are you... Like, aren't you a... Uh, Aren't you a pastor? Like, what, what are you doing watching this, right? You know, because whatever it is that we're, I know, that's how I feel too. Whenever we have that sort of a desire to take this stuff in, especially if it has, and this is what I always hear when I bring up music, they go, oh, but the beat, the beat, 
there's something about the there's something about a song with a beat, right? That makes you go, oh, I I I don't this song is so toxic, but I just can't stop. and then all my shoulders keep moving. And and it's like it's a trap. It's a trap to let us to, to get us to open our hearts. It's a trap to get us to open our hearts. Where does all of this rampant wickedness come from? It comes from the choices we make when we open the eyes of our heart and we say, what will I receive in to me? And this is why James says, if you really want to change, if you want to become quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, you know what we do? We receive with humility the implanted word. We receive with humility the implanted word. This is, this is one that's been like milling around in my heart for a few months now. And whenever I think about it, I can't get past that phrase, the implanted word. As if like my heart was a garden and there was a seed being planted in it. Now, full disclosure, I am a guy. And my internal story doesn't like to compare myself to a plant. It doesn't work well with me, okay? Um, as you might have guessed, my, the, the, the stories that appeal to me the most, that would most affect the way I would have wanted to describe myself, tend to involve things like superheroes, or predatory animals, or swords. These are the things that, like, if you say, Pastor David, how do you think of yourself? I guarantee you it will be involving one of those metaphors, okay? Those are the metaphors that are close to me. But a, and a plant is kind of not that. The, the idea, like with Psalm 1, about the righteous man being like a tree planted by streams of water that bears fruit in its season, is not the kind of metaphor that, like, would make my heart go, yeah, right? I'm a tree, because it's kind of passive and gentle and maybe even, I don't know, slow to anger compared to like a tiger or something, right? Like it's, it's not something that, 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 that boils my blood. But, but this is the word that we got used. We, we humbly receive the implanted word. Humbly receive the implanted word. And if we receive that word into our inner story, this is what will make us slow to, slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to become angry. The implanted word. Now, if we have a lot of uh, anger and bitterness and all of these things uh, in us, then we are going to experience why he uses the phrase humbly. Because humbly requires us to take on a certain attitude in our heart, right? That word receive sounds passive. But what you'll experience if you actually try to receive that implanted word is that it, it takes a lot of work to stand still. Anyone here, like, really afraid of needles? Anybody? That's completely not me. But, I, but I've, I've seen this enough times that I have an idea of how this is. You see a person who is afraid of needles or afraid of dentists, it's a lot of work to stand still, isn't it? Because everything in you is saying, take me out of this situation. And when you say, stand still, it'll only hurt a little bit, it'll just be a second, there'll be a tiny bit of blood, but it's all going to be okay. 
and you go, <gasps> right? I, I've had kids who have had to have blood drawn, and you know, you're, you have to keep them in basically like a half Nelson while they're having blood drawn. Because it's, it's just that, uh, they, they say, you know what, you can't move the needle, it's got to come. It's work to, to receive something passively sometimes. And one of the ways we can tell the, the state of our hearts and how much our inner narrative needs to be adjusted is how we are receiving the implanted word. When we are reading the Bible or we are sitting here on Sunday morning listening to a sermon, how are we hearing it? What, is the, what, is the, what are the thoughts that we are responding to it with? Um, because if we are feeling bitterness or anger, then we will not simply humbly receive the, the implanted word. We will perhaps sassily receive the implanted word. Oh, you think that's right, do you? Oh, let's see what your life looks like, buddy. Right? Or we will rambunctiously receive the implanted word. We will say, yeah, that might be right. I'm not going to do it. There, there are all of these ways that we can reply to what the Lord is saying to us when he says, look, man, you need to listen and you need to change. Are we willing to say, I'm going to hold myself still and I'm going to turn the eyes of my heart towards God through his implanted word? The Bible says this, I'm going to receive this into my soul. And I'm going to allow this to become who I am now. And in case we missed it, he says, let me explain to you. When you hear this word, what should you do with it? How do you, how do you handle receiving this implanted word? Is it a completely passive experience? Is it just like, as long as I have Christian radio on in the background 24-7, I'll be okay? As long as you listen to, to all of the contemporary Christian musics, and you listen to none of the raps, you'll be fine? Is that where we're going with this? We're saying, you know, hey, throw out all of your lousy non-Christian books and just read C.S. Lewis all the time. Will you be okay? That's not what James is saying, and we know it because he explains it to us. He says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. If we're people who are only hearing the word, and we do nothing with it, then we are deceiving ourselves. Now, it's interesting that he said deceiving yourselves, because deceiving yourselves means that you are believing something that is not true, right? And when we think of, like, not hearing the word and not doing it, we don't think of deception usually. We think of, like, laziness or inertia, don't we? We're like, oh, that's a good word, and you fall back asleep. We don't normally think of that involving deception. So why is it that James says it does involve deception? He says, don't listen to it and then not do it, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. You're like studying your own face, right? For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Literally, he will be happy in his doing. Why does he use this phrase of your, seeing your reflection in the mirror and then forgetting it? 
that that doesn't seem like it's a very natural metaphor if what he's saying is, yo, you know what to do, now do it. Right? Who's, who compares that to like forgetting your own reflection? That's a, very, that's a very odd metaphor, unless you realize that what James is talking about is that he expects that hearing the word, that receiving that implanted word, is like looking in a mirror. It shows you what you are like. In many ways, it shows you what you are really like. It shows you how others outside of your own brain see you. Whatever your brain thinks that your own face looks like, you're like, oh man, look at my nose. You know, look at how far apart my eyes are. Look at how close together my eyes are. I have a single eyelid. I have, you know, look at the scrunches on my forehead. I look like I'm, I look, I'm only 40 and I look like I'm 57. You know, whatever ideas you have in your head about what you look like, which may be more true or less true, when you look in the mirror, you see it. And you get to see what is, what is correct and what's incorrect. You get to see if you really look as good or bad as you think you do. Now, obviously, there will still be some processing through the, the lens of your own mind, as there is when you read the Bible. But it's a lot less than if you're just left to your own uh, inner story to figure itself out. When we see the word, we are confronted with who we really are. And all of the excuses that we have to justify our own behavior are exposed and brought out. And we see how close we are to the goals that the Bible has. We read, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. And we go, oof, if that's the standard, I'm not doing so good. I thought I was doing good, but maybe not as good as I thought I was. And we're forced to take a long look in the mirror and say, where do I need to, what, what do I need to reorient? What do I need to do about this to get, on the right, to get back on the right track? It, it, it spurs us to action. If you look up at your face and you see, you know, you have a big bleeding cut here, you go, oh, wait a second, I probably should put some disinfectant on that. I probably should put a Band-Aid on that. I should deal with what's up with my face. If I realize that in the course of shaving, I've accidentally taken off half my beard, I need to figure out what to do with the other half because I can't just go on with the status quo, amen? Like, there are things here that I may be, com I may be confronted with in looking in the mirror that I must act on. I have perceived my true identity when I hear the word, and now I must act. But, but James, when he talks about this word that's in us, it's easy for us to read someone like him who is, who is so like bold and certain about what he's saying, and to take it and use it to just like slam ourselves with it, to say, like, James is the rules, and the rules say, you fail. But, it's, but he calls the, this very same word that the Lord is putting into us the law of liberty, which brings freedom. And the more that we experience these, these standards, these rules, this word that the Lord is, is putting upon us, the more we will find that our identity will change in the direction of freedom in the direction of freedom. Instead of my anger getting the best of me every time it flares up, instead of it, it, just, it just firing up and I go, ah, and I act on it. 
now I'm going to have the choice. Now I'm going to be able to say, no, I am putting this, putting this off. I am choosing. I will not respond in this way. This is not who I am, and this is not who I will become. I am bought with a price. Jesus died for me. He is transforming me into someone holy, into someone beautiful, into someone that's a lot more like, like the angels up in heaven than like a lion or a tiger, one of these you know, big predatory animals. The way the Lord, and the Lord will begin to reshape our inner narrative and make it look a lot more like his plans. I almost said last night I had a dream. I'm not sure that is a sufficiently intense statement. Uh, last, time I, last night I had a night vision. It was one of the most unique experiences, I think, of my life. Um, I woke up in the middle of the night. I think what woke me up was, um, was probably Ariel crying for milk. And it was, a lot of people describe a vision as being like pulled into a movie. This for me, I think felt a lot more like being pulled into a comic strip. And there were a band of men with me and we kept having to save the world. Like, and like a comic strip, saving the world generally meant doing prodigious amounts of violence to prodigious amounts of monsters. And as we were just like, going at it and saving the world each time. Like, we'd be like, yes, we accomplished our goals. And then it was like the whole level, you'd like the level would reset, and next time we would be taken up to the next level of crisis. And it became so draining, just utterly draining. Like, oh man, no matter how many times you, and it was like, how many times you finish this level, there's always a next and more stressful level. And we would like make plans for the next one, and I'm like, how are we gonna do this? We can't do this. And in a normal dream, when you wake up, you feel like you left the dream behind you and you're now in a wake land. And somehow the land where you are is more real and the dream was like just a dream, right? That's a normal dream. But what I felt like is I woke up, but like the eyes of my heart were still wide. Like I felt like I was still receiving data. I was still connected to the Wi-Fi spiritually. I'm like, huh. So I feed, the, I, I feed the girl, I'm thinking about it, I'm praying for, about it. And I, uh, and I uh, lie down, and, and immediately I'm back in it. And I'm like, I'm up in like heaven, and there is all of this like spiritual warfare stuff going on. And one of these spirits calls to me, he's like, come and, like, come and fight, basically. And he's like, he makes this like big old spirit sword, like lightsabery kind of thing. And he's like, we do this with our thoughts. And we're, and I'm like, I'm all about to go for it. And I'm like, wait a second, this is the same thing all over again. Like, if if this is who I become, if this is who I want to be, then I'm going to end up like, um, and like my brain flashes back to all this like martial arts books, movies, stuff I've read growing up, and they're like. They're like, the first stage is that you master the sword. The second stage is that you become the sword, right? And I'm like, well, that would suck, because who'd want to become the sword, right? This is like the, the veteran who goes off to war and then comes home and realizes that he doesn't fit in normal life anymore. Because, why? Because he's become a sword. He has no way of like loving and caring, like his heart is made of steel, and that's all he can do. 
Which is why, by the way, let's be compassionate and loving to our veteran friends if we have any. Thank you. Let's listen to them and care for them and be slow to speak and, and quick to listen. That's a whole other sermon. Well, not necessarily. We'll see. But, um, but in all of this, basically what happened is in this dream, the Lord started to challenge my inner narrative. He said, is conflict all you want? And if this is how you think about yourself, is it any wonder you were wrestling with anger? And I was like, oh. And this is what we will find the more we submit to what the Lord is saying to us. We'll find ourselves going, oh. And we will be surprised by his words and we'll say, Lord, how do I change now? And we'll need to have our identity begin to be transformed. And the big old eyes of our heart need to be retrained. So in my dream... I, like, I looked to the Lord and I said, Lord, I want to like, know you and follow you and be with you. And about that time, um, one of my other kids came into my room and he was like, Daddy, stay with me for a minute. And I came on in and I felt like it was still, like the, the lines were still open, but now instead of like, dreaming it, I was thinking. And I started processing all this stuff that I'm telling you now. And like, it just made sense to me. And the beauty of knowing the Lord and being shaped by him was so intense to me in that moment that I was just like, like spontaneous doxology, like, thank you, God. You are the God who is shaping us and changing us, and you form our story so we can become like, more like you. So all of this to say that as we, as we turn our eyes away from all of these other stuff and we turn them to God, as we listen to this implanted word, at first, you may say, ah, oh, this is like limiting my life so much. I used to know what I could go out and do on Friday nights, and maybe I, now I don't. Hint, come to disciple group. But, it's, but what we will find is the more that we listen to what the Lord has to say to us, the more we will find true freedom. The more we will be set free from cycles of bitterness and trauma and violence the, the more the natural response of our heart will no longer be blowing up. But this command to be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, will actually come into reach for us because the Lord will have been transforming us to become more and more like who He is and not like who we think we should be becoming. So, so this is why He says, be a doer of the word and not a hearer only because that word that comes to us will tell us who we should be and as who we and as who we are changes so what we do changes the person who's been coming to church for their whole life and has never changed has never grappled with the identity that comes from from the the implanted word they have never said who I am must be different now. And that's why they've looked into the mirror and forgotten what they saw there. They said, oh, I must be okay. Forgetting the ways that the word has shown them they are not okay. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. How important is this be, be quick to listen, sl slow to speak thing? He says, if you don't bridle your tongue, your religion is worthless. You might as well be an atheist. 
you might as well be worship, go, go back to worshiping you know, Zeus and Pan and Hera and those folks because you'd be in the same place. We need to allow ourselves to be transformed. We need to put away wickedness. We need to, be hum- to humbly receive the implanted word and then we'll get somewhere. How will we know that we're getting somewhere? What will we start to look like? What is the end goal? What will we see if we do this consistently? He says, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. The more we turn our eyes upon Jesus, the more he will, the more he will turn us to be able to actually help the people around us. The more we will recognize the helpless, the hurting, the lost. The more we'll see that person sitting in the cafeteria all by themselves that really wants to sit with someone but doesn't have the, but doesn't have the social courage to be able to go and, and get into a new group. The more that we know Jesus, the more he will move us to love the people who are around us. The more that we love Jesus, the more that we will hate the false messages that the world is saying, and the easier it is for us to remain unstained. Let's make a choice today. Those of you who have spoken to me in the last two weeks know the Lord has really been pushing on me. Let's be ready for the Lord to come. If he comes and visits us, if his presence shows up, if this week or next week our church just breaks out in revival, how will we handle it? Will we be able to receive it and be changed and transformed and become holy? Or will we just say, that was a nice service, and then go back to our ordinary life? Let's choose today to look to Jesus, to receive from him, and to receive humbly what it is that he is doing. Let's choose to say no to the rampant wickedness. When those thoughts come, let's choose to, to, to accept some and to reject others. Let's make it a point this week. And as we do it, we will see our lives transformed. And we will not be the same as we were before. We will be made new. Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread and broke it and said, Take this, all of you, and eat it. This is my body which is given for you. And as often as you eat this, do this in remembrance of me. When we eat this bread, broken as it is, we remember the Lord Jesus. We turn the eyes of our hearts to him. We allow our reception of his love, the love that brought him uh, to suffer, to walk a mortal life, that that love was given to bring us close, this is, the, this is part of the mirror that's held up to us to show us who we are. The fact that Jesus looked at us and said, oh man, you are worth having. He didn't buy you on eBay for 10 bucks. He bought you at the cost of his own life. He carried the sins of the world for you. He thought you were valuable enough Literally to die for. 
Let's allow our inner, our, our inner stories to be reshaped today by our reception of this, the broken body of Jesus. Let us believe that we really are worth it, just as Jesus said. After supper, he took the cup, the cup of redemption, and said, take this, all of you, and drink this. This cup is the new covenant in my blood for the remission of sins. He says, I tell you the truth. I will not drink this cup with you again until I drink it anew in my Father's kingdom. This blood is given for the remission of sins. Many of us hearing, hearing this message today are being challenged by the word implanted in us that we have to change. We are thinking of all the ways that we have opened the eyes of our heart to the wrong sources, that we have let in alien messages very different than what God is trying to teach us. We've come to face with some of the uglier lies that we have believed. And when we say, man, how can I face it? The answer is, come here and receive the blood of the Messiah Jesus, the blood that covers over all of our sins, the blood that purifies us so that we can enter the most holy places, that we can be brought near to God and reconciled with Him again because our sins have been paid for. And we can belong to His kingdom. So as we come and as we eat the bread and we drink the cup, let it be to us more than food and drink. Let it be to us the very life of Jesus, giving life to our mortal bodies. Let it be to us the very, very forgiveness of Jesus, drawing us near and reconciling us to the Father. Let's allow our inner stories to be transformed as we receive this, the Lord's table. If that's you, and you know this is what you need, and you know that this is what you want, and you wish to come to the Lord by faith and receive the implanted word, then I invite you to come and receive from the table of the Lord. Let's come. The Lord is longing to reveal his heart to many of the people here. And if we open wide the eyes of our heart like a little child and we look to him, he'll begin revealing himself to you. So let's not waste this chance. Let's come to him. And let's open our hearts. Let's open our minds to him. Let's allow him to speak. And let's come humbly and not sassily. Let's come waiting to hear what he has to say and taking him seriously when he says it. Let's present our hearts to him. Uh, let's not stand up, but let's, let's just spread out our hands as if to make, our, as if to make our, our posture open, just like our hearts are open. Father, we confess to you today that we have pointed our hearts in the wrong directions. That we have sought to see and become like goals which are, which are terrible goals. 
We have been lured in by sick beats and become sick ourselves. We have been, we have been brought in, in our hearts and minds out of your kingdom and into the world. We have allowed ourselves to become stained. And now, Lord, we choose to reorient ourselves toward you. We choose to become like a plant, like a, like a tree planted by the waters that bear fruit in all season. We choose to be fixed and firm and strong in your presence. Let your word be planted in us. We choose to look at you. We ask these things, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's remember this reflection we're seeing here today as we look in the mirror. Let's stand up. Let's worship the Lord together, but I challenge you, let's not just be hearers of the lyrics, but singers of the lyrics here today. Amen? Let, let's begin this obedience by actually singing the song. Let's go. If you were listening to today's message and you felt like weirdly exposed, like, there were, like you knew there were parts of you that were just not right, you knew there were lies hidden there in your story, but you just like couldn't pull them all the way out. Like a splinter that was in there and like you could reach it, but you needed tweezers. And if you're afraid that we'll, you'll go back into this week and how you feel right now will be far behind you and you'll go back to who you quote unquote normally are, then this is the moment to make a decision. And this is the moment to receive that implanted word. And if you know that's you, then I encourage you to be bold and brave and raise your hand so that we can find you and pray for you. Maybe me, maybe the person sitting next to you, there's, there's a part of us that says, I want to, to save face. I, want, I don't want people to know how messed up I am. And that's exactly the part right now I'm asking you to let go. Let's receive right now humbly what the Lord has to offer us. If that's you, just, put, just throw your fear away, put your hand up and let's, let's pray. I'll bet you anything there's someone in the house today that's saying, oh man, this, this is amazing and I can't believe I'm doing this again. I can't believe that I'm not raising my hand. I can't believe that I, I'm not, that I can't move towards things changing. Why am I like this? And if that's you, this is your second chance. This is, this is another chance to say today I am going to be different. Today, I'm going to say yes to the work of what God is doing in my life. And if that's you, let's, uh, let's give it another shot. And uh, if, you, if you realize that the Lord is calling you today and you need to, you need to step out in this, this step of faith, then I would ask you to raise your hand and we'll pray with you. Father, we thank you that you did not leave us as you found us. that you care about us enough to renovate us, to drop such absurd amounts of time and energy and effort into transforming us. 
You have given so much thought into how to bring us where you want us to go. And Lord, we are so grateful that you have shown us how deeply you care. We ask together this week, Lord, that we would that we would understand our lives differently. That who we are would flow from knowing you and what we do would flow from knowing you. Lord, today we have seen our reflection in your word. And would you help us, Lord, to be those that this week remember and not forget. Help us, Lord, to host your presence in our entire week. And when the other voices come and the beat starts up, would you help us, Lord, to say no and to turn our eyes back to you? Would you help us to believe your voice this week and to trust you? We thank you, Lord, for how you are changing us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and give you grace. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. This is the official end of our service. This week, as the Lord turns his face upon us, let's turn our face upon him. Amen. Let's love one another.